Hello, and welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Amy McMurtry. This show is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to elders both past and present of these lands, as well as those you are hearing us from today. I find even now with my daughter when like, when I'm out in public with her and you know my partner stepped away to do something or whatever and so me and her are just hanging out. I'm really aware that people are watching, you know? And maybe they're watching because they're a bit curious and they haven't seen someone with a disability, you know, interact with a little kid or parent a little kid. But I am aware that like, you know, like I, I'm watched or looked at to a higher degree than other parents are when they're in public with their kid. And sometimes like that can be really stressful. And so I kind of feel like I've always got to be on top of my game. I've always got to be, you know, making sure she's all right and she's not going to cry and blah, blah, blah. Because there's this fear that, you know, if my child loses it, like, and some stranger steps in, are they going to read me as her, as her parent? today's Women on the Line, you'll hear a show produced by Nicole Smith for 3CR's special broadcast for International Day of People with Disability in 2018. This episode features the voices of Jack, Jackie Brown and Elvira Tarrant speaking about parenting and disability. These stories speak of the deep injustice they experience, of stigma and discrimination, and the ways these impact parenting. You'll also hear about the complexities of negotiating care relationships as a disabled parent, and like all parents, they speak of the joys and pleasures of the relationships they have with their children. This is a deeply rich dialogue, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello, and welcome to this special broadcast event for International Day of People with a Disability. I'm Nicole Smith. I'm a person with a disability wanting to be a mother one day. Today, we will be talking to two women I am proud to call personal friends. And we have in the studio with me, Jack Jackie Brown, and joining us on the phone, Alvira Tarrant. Hi ladies, thanks for joining me to talk about parenting as a person with a disability. Now if I could start with you, Jax, just a bit of your backstory. Uh, you're recently a new parent? Yeah, I am. I've got a, a seven and a half month old um, daughter with my partner Anne and um I guess a little bit of a, our backstory is that uh, as a queer couple, we went through IVF to conceive her. Um, and that, for anyone who's been through that, was a really exhausting emotional uh, and exhausting financial process as well. Um, and the way that industry kind of relates and frames disability as a negative medical problem was actually uh, really challenging for me as someone who... Um, is really proud of my body and proud to have a disability and to belong to the disability community to enter an industry that uh, saw disability as an inherently negative thing was was challenging. So especially given that, you know, the choice to try and become a parent is such an emotional one. So yeah, I guess they're the kind of things that inform my thinking about um, trying to conceive our daughter, but then also um, thinking politically about how we can kind of make um, fertility services more affordable and accessible and inclusive for people with disabilities. Definitely. Um, Elvira, if we could just hear from you now what your story is. So I've got uh, two little little ones and I've got a little girl, she's two, two and a bit, 
and a little boy is nearly one. So I've got my fair hands full. But um, initially, I did find it quite confronting and still do in some respects. There's a lot of, I guess, perceptions that are really challenging at times, um, not to mention the stares and things that you get when they yell out mummy to you and, and cling to you and things. But um, also medically, like in the medical profession, I think a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, a lot of midwives I found quite difficult to deal with at times. These are all things I raised at the time, but I think we've got a, a definitely a long way to go with how they how they perceive us, uh, people with a disability, um, becoming parents and and becoming good parents of that, and just acknowledging that like anyone, we we can make mistakes and and we have you know both good and bad things about us as individuals, but I guess the disability is only one part of that. Yeah. It doesn't really have to affect the child's life negatively. I guess with me, um, I am desperate to be a parent at some stage in the future. Um, and I guess with me, one of the things that's sort of um, getting me down or that I'm worried about is that I need um, support workers myself. So how then am I going to be a parent and care for another little human? So... Um, Elvira, I know that you have support workers. How did you get over that or justify that in, in your own mind? Yeah, I think it's a work in progress. Like initially, I was quite overwhelmed by it. Initially, I thought, you know, who in their right mind would be willing to help a person with a disability and their child and manage all that and juggle it and yet stand back when they need to and... You know, so for me, it was really important and we've talked about this often and I've tried to guide you and, I mean, for myself, I'm still trying to work it out. I haven't, you know, found this magic formula to um, managing all of that, but I think it's really important to find support workers in any regard that really understand you as a person and, I guess, understanding what you want to do with your life, irrespective of whether you want to be a parent or not, but then understanding that next step, okay, I want to be a mother. How are you going to help me be a mother? And and not just help, you don't want them to necessarily mother your child. I, I never wanted that and I never do ever want that because I'm more than capable of doing that. I just need them to understand and have that unspoken understanding sometimes. Sometimes the conversation isn't necessary, um, but sometimes the person has to really be intuitive and understand where the boundaries are yeah. because there definitely are boundaries that can be overstepped. I think I think that, this is Jack, I think there's gendered expectations around it too. Like I think what's expected of men with disabilities who potentially want to be fathers or who are fathers is a really different level of engagement and kind of engagement to what's expected for women who have disabilities because I think we're expected to be able to do everything and be on top of everything and then if you can't do that like if you need support to do that um, then there is a lot of judgment that comes on you both externally and internally like I I'm currently on my first NDIS package and I felt really hard in that package to get parenting supports in that package um, so I have had some parenting supports as well and 
one of the things that I've found really challenging about that is that while the people have been really lovely, uh, they have stepped in and done stuff for my kid and and with my kid that I couldn't do or that I can't do in the same kind of way. And so it's about a negotiation about, okay, so I need you to assist me to get my daughter um, off the floor on her playmat, onto my lap and strapped into my um, my little belt thing that I wear around my, my lap to carry her around the house. But I don't need you to pick her up and play with her and, you know, have a game with her. I just need you yeah. to assist me in yeah. doing these tasks so that then I can take her and read her a book or do whatever we're doing together. And yeah. I think often when people are, you know, engaging with your child and you're paying them to do that, they, they take on a more kind of babysitting type role in their mind yeah. and that's I, not I, what you want. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And that's been something that I've definitely found. So, Jack, you're at like seven months now and that's when I probably found it the hardest because um, my child, now with the second one, I found it much easier because I've found, I guess, what I need to talk to my carer about mm-hmm. and I've also found a carer that's really understanding. But that was a big issue for me and with my first child, I felt like, I felt this overwhelming anxiety that, you know, my child's not going to know who the mother is. My my child's not going to be able to identify that, okay, yes, I call this lady mummy, but why isn't she doing X, Y, and Z for me? And I felt that, you know, one day she was just not going to have that connection. And a lot of the time it was about making the carer understand that you are here to support me to be the mother and you are not the mother or you are not the person that's meant to remove that that bond or come in between that bond. And mm-hmm. I think um, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of understanding from the support worker for little things like, you know, choosing what they're going to wear or um, even having a conversation and you trying to teach them to say mum and then them stepping in, even though it's a natural thing to try and engage with the child, if they're cute and all that kind of stuff, you need them to understand that, wait a second, if the child's engaging with you, they need to take that little step back. It's a tricky it's a tricky one, but I think there's ways around it and you kind of get a bit more comfortable with it over time and, and you learn to, yeah, deal with it a bit better. <laughs> Women on the line. Jax, I just wanted to ask you about a report that you actually brought to my attention um, that was recently published by Women's Health Victoria. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's actually going to be launched. It's publicly available and it's called um, Great Expectations on Experiences of Early Motherhood um, and looking at the kind of things that women without disabilities particularly, it's not looking at um, disability yet experience in terms of um, you know being the birthing birthing person and being the primary carer um, and how often there can be really gendered expectations around what that looks like and the role of that woman to be able to um, you know do everything for that child and often be um, doing things solo and being relatively unsupported and spending you know days at home with the with the young baby and how often um, that that new space in your life that new relationship, um, can be a time of great joy, but also a time of like high stress and sleep deprivation and upheaval. Um, 
And I think when you add disability into the mix, like we're, we're doing today, um, you know, that, that there's extra levels of complexity to it and there's extra kind of pressures that we come under. I find even now with my daughter when, like, when I'm out in public with her and, you know, my partner stepped away to do something or whatever and so me and her are just hanging out, I'm really aware that people are watching, you know, and maybe they're watching because they're a bit curious and they haven't seen someone with a disability, you know, interact with a little kid or parent a little kid. But I am aware that, like, you know, like I, I'm watched or looked at to a higher degree than other parents are when they're in public with their kid. And sometimes, like, that can be really stressful. And so I kind of feel like I've always got to be on top of my game. I've always got to be, you know, making sure she's all right and she's not going to cry and blah, blah, blah. Because there's this fear that, you know, if my child loses it, like, and some stranger steps in, are they going to read me as her, as her parent? What does that mean? So I think, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different questions that disability brings up when we think about parenting that, that, that organisations, you know, that people aren't even starting to think about or research or have areas of interest in it, that we're living it and, um, yeah, we need to start having more of these conversations. Have you found, this is a question that's open to both of you, have you found that your child or your children have um, adapted to you being in a, in a wheelchair or having having a physical disability i know elvira i've seen um your daughter kind of push a book further onto your lap so that you can reach it have you found that they're intuitive in what you can and can't do so i've found with um my oldest she's really aware so she knows everything from you know where i can use my i can only use my right hand for instance and she'll position my phone or whatever it is that she needs at a level that I can reach or even position the phone so I can reach the button. Um, if I'm putting moisturiser on her face, she'll kneel down or position herself so that I can reach her cheek to rub it in um, or even comfort her if she hit herself. She knows that my right hand works or she knows if she wants to touch my left hand, she'll have to turn off my wheelchair first. And my little son now, he's nearly one and he's a little bit more rough around the edges. He knows now that he has to come to me and if, he's, if I'm on the bed, he'll have to jump up and come to me that I can't just pick him up. So they're really intuitive and I think they understand a great deal um, more than adults sometimes. <laughs> and they just naturally do it and they adapt and it's, it's beautiful really. It's, it's really touching. Mm. Jess? Yeah, I mean, I think with our daughter, she's only seven and a half months, so she's getting to the point now where she's real, like she's more engaging with toys and the world and stuff. So she's just started, um, you know, like trying to pull herself up on my chair and like play with my wheels and and get under my chair and like um, hide out <laughs> under there and hang out and like, yeah, like yeah. exploring it as though it's like this interesting thing where I think previously she hadn't, she just gone, oh yeah, whatever, <laughs> that's just a thing, um, where now she's starting to actually engage with it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of really interested to see 
yeah, the kind of ways that she'll learn to interact with my chair and my body. Like I, as I said, I can't pick her up from the floor and so I'm interested to see as she's able to stand up more and stuff, how we can work together for me to be able to get her up off the floor onto my lap, those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I think that, that she's just starting to kind of work it out, which, which is really beautiful and, and interesting too. Right around Australia, you've been listening to Women on the Line. You've been listening to the rebroadcast of a show produced by Nicole Smith for 3CR's special broadcast for International Day of People with Disability. This episode features the voices of Jack's Jackie Brown and Elvira Tarrant speaking about parenting and disability. I know that um, both of you have kind of mentioned um, in passing that when you've been um, out in public, you've um, been sort of pe- people have looked at you and, and stared and sort of been confused when when you're the mother or when you're the parent. Um, I just wondered how that sort of manifested itself when you were going through either the hospital or when you were going through the IVF process, whether you found that professionals were, that they showed some sort of subtle discrimination as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I didn't carry out our daughter. My my partner did. Um, so, and I, I'm I am interested in trying to carry our next child. And so, I I'm interested to see how you know being potentially pregnant with a baby and and all that will impact further. But um, yeah, like for us, we personally chose not to undergo any disability testing. Um, that was our personal choice. We didn't want to do that. And um, I remember when we told the IVF clinic, you know, that this was, we were choosing not to, to go down that path. Um, the nurse leaned across the table and, and put her hand on uh, my partner's hand and said, you know, this is your choice though. As though I wasn't even there in that moment and as though we hadn't had discussions in our relationship about whether or not we felt comfortable testing or not testing. It was kind of as though as I, I was pushing my agenda onto my partner or something and of course you'd want to and not get rid of disability because disability is a terrible thing so we had you know situations like that we were really clear in our birth plan and in our stay at the hospital when our daughter was born that you know that you know I was her other parent and that yeah that 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 was who I was but I, I I feel like a lot of the time in our relationship people read me as Anne's friend or sister and they don't necessarily read me as her partner. And because I'm not uh, femme-presenting at all, um, I think I get read as, you know, not, not being my daughter's parent either, like that I must just be some kind of friend who's rocked up and is playing with her. So that's always frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. Elvira? Yeah, I've had very similar experiences to um, Jack um, in public, yeah, definitely, and that feeling, that overwhelming feeling of, oh, please don't, like, you know, chuck a wobbly in front mm. of anybody because they're going to stare at you as if you're a bad mother or as if, you you know, you're not doing the right thing or what are you doing with this child, whose child is it? And then in the hospital system, it's definitely, we face the same thing in regards to testing. We didn't want to test the Down syndrome and all that kind of stuff because we didn't want to abort and there's no reason to test there's no reason we needed to know that and if we did have a child with any disability we would have welcomed it with open arms and for us 
I think it extended also to shame. So a lot of the time people just presume that because I had a disability that my husband had a disability or that he would have. So when I would talk about him and then he'd come because he was at work or whatnot um, during my stay or during appointments, when they'd meet him, it'd be like, oh, oh, so your husband, oh, oh, wow. Like you can just see it all over their face. And it also, I also had a moment, which I'll never forget, it was with my first child and I was a few days later and she was a premier baby, so she was in the nursery. And I had a team of doctors, nurses and all sorts of people, um, like patient consultants, that would just come in because they were quite curious. And at the time I wasn't really aware that I could just tell them not to come in. <laughs> I, just, I just, I don't know, I, just, I, I kind of allowed it myself um, because I thought, okay, they can learn and they're curious and that's fine. But it started to get quite intrusive and it started to take away from my experience as a mother um, with breastfeeding, with just connecting with my child because I could only have her for a few hours because she had temperature control issues. So she had to be in an incubator in the nursery. And then what I now see upon reflection is that I had a lot of judgment in the way I breastfed or, or in the way I did anything really. And it really changed the way I managed the second pregnancy and everything from the birth till after till going home. Um, I was very much more in control and very aware that I had all these people judging me and really just not believing that I can be a good mum. I had one midwife that was a part of the WING clinic, which is the women with individual support needs. Um, and she was meant to be helping me during my stay at the hospital and she blatantly told me that I need more than one carer because I need someone to care for me and care for my child yeah. when I get home and that my mother should be taking time off to look after both of us. Mm. And for me, that was a massive slap in the face and that was a moment of, of real weakness, I guess, that she chose to really dig it in and, you know, push the point that, hey, don't forget that you have a disability and that this is going to be way harder. So for me, that was a really challenging time and, and I look back at it now and laugh, but at the time it could have really broken me and I see how it, it really shaped the first few months of motherhood for me and really made me think, wow, I need to prove you wrong and I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm happy now that I can make mistakes and it's okay make mistakes. What do you think we can do to change the um, social discrimination that you've come up against? And the next thing is, what advice would you give to someone like me um, with a disability hoping to be a parent in the future? Um, Jax, if you could start with you. Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, I think the discrimination that we experience isn't always subtle. Sometimes it's really in your face, as I think we've both kind of outlined. Um, and sometimes it does come in more subtle forms, but I think it's definitely, um, you know, pretty out there. Um, I, th I think one of the key things we need to do is to um, have more conversations like this, really, that show that, you know, parents with disabilities exist, that we're doing an excellent job, that we, you know, that we love our kids, that it's a valuable thing to really want, that we should be able to have it in our goals, in our NDIS plans, as 
something we aspire to if that's what we want to do with our lives and we should be supported to do that no one parents in isolation whether you have a disability or not you've got people you've got friends you've got family around you to some extent um, and it's a myth this idea that that everyone that every woman just knows how to be a mum you learn it um, so I think um, I would I would say to, to a young person out there who really wants to have kids one day um, you know do it um, you'll come up against a lot of discrimination and a lot of people saying you can't, but you have a right to um, to want to experience that. And as hard as it is and as sleep-depriving as it is, it's the most joyful, wonderful thing as well. So, yeah. That's fantastic. I couldn't agree more, Jack. I think Spidey has a long way to go, but as long as we're talking about it in a positive light and, and showing that, you know, we have our good days and we have our bad days, but it's a learning experience. Um, nobody's born into motherhood and nobody knows what to do. There's, there are books on it, but <laughs> I don't know how much they help when your child's on the floor in the middle of Kmart because they want a kinder surprise. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, the medical profession, I think they really have a much longer way to go because from my experiences, even though they were really great in um, giving me support medically, they really didn't do much in the way of my emotional support, um, my mental health and well-being um, during the experience. And I think they they robbed me of a lot of joyful, beautiful moments that I could have had. But in saying that, I think be strong, never give up, never allow anybody to tell you that you can't be a parent research 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 just really believe in yourself that you can do it but also put in the work don't just throw it out there and think that you can have a baby because it's not easy but it's not easy for anybody um in saying that i think it would be great if there were more avenues of support during that process dealing with the medical staff dealing with midwives and i think now dealing with kinders and playgroups and things, there's definitely not enough awareness out there. So it'd be great to just have people talking about it and, and just live your life. I mean, us being out at the shops and talking to different people is showing people that, hey, I have a disability, but I can be a good mum too. You've been listening to the Read Broadcast of show produced by Nicole Smith for 3CR's special broadcast for International Day of People with Disability in 2018. This episode featured the voices of Jax Jackie Brown and Elvira Tarrant speaking about parenting and disability. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to womenonthelion at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. Go to the Women on the Line page and follow the links to this week's show. The theme song for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Amy McMurtry. Thanks for tuning into the show.